Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Fresh off his workout, uh, looking extra pumped uh, after those chest presses. Our man, Matt George, <laughs> host of the Locked on Kings podcast and ABC 10 as well. He brings cookies uh, for Kevin John during halftime. It's very, very nice of you. Uh, Matt, how you feeling today, man? First off, it's the first time anyone has ever said I look pumped. Second off, I didn't appreciate you laughing, Kenny, because uh, that's what people <laughs> normally do. Uh, and, and third off, uh, you and Kevin John bullied me after I brought up a cookie saying that I should have brought up two, which is abusive and I don't appreciate it. As I bu- bullied you because you were eating a hot dog. And then you bullied me on Twitter. Smothered in ketchup. I never get hey. these, these things when I go to the game. I guess I never go back to the... Uh, I'm sorry, you're too busy in the Lexus lounge eating, like, steak and crap. No, that's right. Outside, I don't know what you're talking you about. You get steak Well, and I don't sushi. get a hot dog. I'm too busy eating lobster with Vivek. <laughs> it's true. I mean, Matt George, don't tell lies. It was <laughs> no, nice of you to give your seat to 50 Cent since you couldn't be at the game last night. That was kind. Was Shout out nice. 50. I'm sure people were happy to have him there. Shout out 50, man. If you were there, 50 probably would have been sitting next to me and Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> probably would have been, been way up there matt you got a chain like 50 uh yes um it keeps my bike from getting stolen <laughs> Wee herman's big adventure he's just got one of them <laughs> chains wrapped around it um matt what, what performance last night was was extraordinary emotion levels were super high what's your big takeaway uh from the kings beating the pacers last night I mean, to me, it was the Kings, I think, did exactly what they needed to do. Like, you take a extremely emotionally charged game, a game that has so many off-the-court storylines that you can't control. But when it comes to 48 minutes on the floor, you kick ass. Like, with the exception of, like, the 5-1 to start and that little push that the uh, Indiana Pacers made in the third quarter, Mm -hmm. Sacramento dominated this game. Like... They Beyond the introductions for Tyrese and Buddy, they didn't give a damn who was returning. They didn't give a damn what the storylines were. They said, you know what? And, and I tweeted this out, and I, like, I, I think it tells the story of the game from the Sacramento Kings perspective. Stop talking about the trade last year and start talking about this year's team. Like That's how the Sacramento Kings played. I felt last night's game was a statement game the same way the Kings' national TV game over Brooklyn was a statement mm-hmm. game. They got their platform. They dominated the Brooklyn Nets. Last night, not only were they trying to break a three-game skid, a game that I think, and I think, Kenny, you said this too, they they had to have. Mm -hmm. Like, they they needed to get that game uh, for a lot of individual and team purposes. On top of that, while I'm not saying that everybody was tuning into Kings and Pacers on a Wednesday night, I guarantee you the majority of people that weren't Sacramento Kings fans tuning into that game were tuning in to see Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald torch the Kings because that's mm-hmm. what the narrative has been. 
Right. It's how could the Kings give up this this player who have this young player, this young star who then goes on JJ Reddick's podcast and goes on and answers all these questions and is very open about how he takes it personally. And then how could you include one of the greatest shooters in the NBA with it? These two are going to go in and torch the Kings. The Kings are foolish. The Kings are silly. The Kings said, you know what? We don't, we don't give a damn about all that. Watch. We're the better team. We're on our home floor. Watch what we do. And they wipe the floor with the Pacers who were just coming off of a big comeback win against the Los Angeles Lakers. So I think the Kings handled their business in a near-perfect fashion. Yeah, man. And, and one of the things that I was very impressed with with that game last night is, aside from all the you know the storylines and everything else, like you mentioned, it, it was time to end that skid. And we've said a couple of different times over the last two seasons, hey, don't let you know a two-game Susan streak turn into seven or eight or whatever the case may be. And another sign that so far this group isn't the same as teams in the past is they made sure they didn't let that happen. You know, they're like, look, it's at three. I think Doma said it um, after the game. He said, you know, in this league, you lose three in a row. The bottom line is just stop it right there. You've got to figure out a way to get it done. And it just so happened that they were in the midst of this with all the hoopla that was going around with Tyrese and Buddy coming back. But they didn't let that affect their preparation for the game. If anything, it might have heightened it yeah. to go along with, you know, trying to stop the slide. And I've been saying this a number of different times this year. This team doesn't blink, and they didn't blink yesterday. No, and to your point, Kenny, I, I get the sense, too, that this team was disgusted by the 0-4 start, and they weren't going to allow that to happen again. Mm. Like, we're talking about a four-game losing streak. To us, sitting through two nine-game losing streaks in the same season, four games is nothing. To that yeah. team, it was like, now, we started this season 0-4. We know we're way better than that. We've shown we were, a bit, we're way better than that. We just rattled off seven straight. We're not losing four in a row again, especially with two out of the four being in our building again, regardless of who the competition is. So I, I genuinely got the sense the way that they were talking about that game, the way they were talking after the Suns loss. Like, I love what DeMontis Savona said after that loss. He said, like, we can't keep losing these games and saying we're so close or saying we're almost there. Like, I, I love that from Domas. He's a man of, of pretty few words, and he usually doesn't talk without having a smile on his face, but I think he hit the nail on the head there. And the Kings played with a sense of urgency in this game. Like, they were, they wanted to, uh, Keegan Murray said after the game, they wanted to win this one for DeMontis Sabonis. But more importantly than any of those storylines, more importantly than the, the feel-good, ha-ha, got you round one or round two, technically, with the Indiana Pacers since the trade, it was, okay, we got to handle our own business here, and we're not going to lose four in a row again. We're not going to let that happen. I, and I thought that was evident in the way they, they carried themselves last night. What did you think of the crowd last night? I know you got a chance <laughs> to talk to people on their way in. What did you think of that? I mean, like, I I can't tell you how many times that I've thought or said to myself, and it's usually during, like, uh, Scott Freshour's fourth quarter um, on your feet pump up. Like, And even when that building is, like, 60% full, like, that building gets loud during that pump up, and it could be against whatever opponent on whatever night. Like, that, Kings fans always make noise. And I've, I've said before... Uh, many times, one of my chief concerns when I saw the renderings of the Golden One Center going from Arco was, are we going to lose that, what it was known as Thunder. Arco Thunder, but yeah. that that in, intimate setup, that intimate setting where the noise was just on top of you. Now, I haven't heard the Golden One Center get to Arco Thunder levels yet. It's probably going to pl- take playoffs in order to get to that, but that building still gets plenty loud. And I'll tell you, if, if that... Terrence Davis dunk then alley oop sequence wasn't the loudest that building's ever gotten in its history. It's got to be number two 
and I can't remember what is number one. Maybe DeMarcus Cousins running back out of the tunnel after being unejected. Like that might be the only chance at surpassing the volume in there. Uh, so the, the crowd was great. And I said this on my podcast and I stand by it and I said it on Twitter too. You know, the, the Kings went on that big run. They they went on a 9-0 run to stop the Pacers push. The Pacers got within 12 in the third quarter. That 9-0 run started when Sacramento Kings fans went absolutely ballistic when Miles Turner missed two free throws and they won free cookies. <laughs> From that point, the Kings rattled off nine, uh, nine, a 9-0 run. They ended the first quarter on or that third quarter, excuse me, on a 19-8 to run. By that point, like Buddy and, and Halliburton came out of the game at the two-minute mark left in the third. They didn't come back. The game was over at that point. Yeah. And as much as Malik Monk and Terrence Davis are energy guys that are extremely important to that second unit – I give nobody credit more than I give the Golden One Center crowd for starting that run because the energy that they brought during that missed free throw and beyond sparked that push. Well, you know, it's something that I've been dying for for a minute now, and that's, you know, to have this place coming into Sacramento be a tough a tough task and a tall task for anybody that comes in there. You know, that's what people would say all the time about Arco, you know, way back in the day, you know, in the, in the early 90s. Like, man... It doesn't matter what's going on. You come to Arco, you know the fans are going to be loud. It's going to be a tough place to play. And they they have that aspect, it seems, going right now. Like I said, we talk about uh, what Monty Williams had to say, what DeAndre Ayton had to say when he had clothes on, and you know, and, 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 <laughs> and what he had to say about not being able to hear and, and all this other stuff. The team is feeding off that as well. The team is now looking at – this is kind of what Alvin was talking about last year, that he can never get these guys to, to understand and to, and to translate. Hey, you got a great home court. You got great fans. Use it to your benefit. Use it as a catalyst and, a, and, a, and catapulting you into playing well. This particular team has seemed to have a grasp on that. They also brought back the cowbell cam last night, which is a staple and must be it every single night because the beat that they play during that is amazing. And it's always started off by the the SNL, uh, Will Ferrell, I Need More Cowbell skit, uh, which is phenomenal. Uh, and then um, I, I don't know, like nobody knew that it was, I guess, like country music night or something <laughs> last night. Like they didn't advertise that at all. And I was like, maybe it's because Indiana is in town, I guess, and and stereotypes or whatever. But it was, I guess, country music yeah, night for no a reason. Great they night do. to have country music night when Fifty Cent is there. <laughs> it was so HBCU random and night so confusing. When the Hawks come to Sacramento, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The Hawks are in town. Yeah, it works for me. It works for me. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know it was country music night until you Nobody just said it. Did. I was wondering why they were like they did the karaoke thing. I was like, what the hell are you guys doing? Hey, that's a, that was a good song though. It, I forget what it was. I guess I don't know. I don't know the song. Like, and they had the guy answering, "Hey, what song is this?" I was like, "I would have got if Fresh had sat next. I would have gotten all of them wrong." I was like, "Bro, I don't know what this is. I have no idea. Absolutely no clue." Um, you think De'Aaron's good? Uh, I think something's going on, and and I I mean, it's not the first time though. Like. De'Aaron has played a lot of his career banged up, like yeah. a lot, a lot. And he he takes bumps and bruises all the time with the way he plays and how physical he is and going amongst the trees there in the paint. Uh, he does not – I think you were saying earlier on the show, D'Lo, like when he's not – it's like making a basketball move. Yeah, when when the whistle's looks, blown, when, the, when play is stopped, he's moving funny. 
Yeah, he just looks slow. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't say I'm. It's concerning necessarily because again, I've seen De'Aaron play through bumps and bruises. Um, I, I, I maybe the most concerning part is if you do have to give him a little bit of a rest here, you're about to go on a six game road trip where you're going to need him damn near every night during that road trip to have a chance at, at coming home and maybe that road trip being 500. So if I were, I, I guess that's where I'd say I was concerned. Um, he just doesn't look like he's as comfortable as he was to start the season. Um, that being said, I don't think there's enough there to really panic or anything yet, but yeah, something's, something's definitely off. It's, he's just not nearly as aggressive or um, physical right now as he's he's been. He really he got going though. I do I do want to give him yeah. like because yeah. where I really know it was the first quarter. It was a couple of timeouts. Like man, I hope my dude's all right. Like I don't even know if he had taken a shot yet. And then I his, think you told me earlier he didn't hit his first shot till he like did three minutes to go in the second. And he had quarter. only taken at that point maybe one or two. Yeah, it's not like he was aggressive and the shot wasn't falling. Like he just wasn't taking them. Yeah. yeah, I marked in the second quarter. It was like midway through the second quarter, and he had played 10 minutes. It was the third time he had come out of the game. Yeah. He had played 10 minutes and was 0 for 1. And with yeah. a point, which was from the free throw line. Mm. I was like, whoa. Yeah. But then he ended the second quarter on a little bit of a push. And um, I mean, but, but you notice like the way he scored, he had that nasty move against Tyrese mm. Halliburton, which was awesome to see. And he got to the basket a couple times, but I mean, he was he was taking jumpers. He was settling for no contact mid-range jumpers. Like he just... I'm not saying he's shying away from contact because that's not his game, but he just doesn't seem as willing right now to take it uh, take it as strong as he was maybe to start the season. Yeah. Um, I want to get into the Kings overall and what they've got going on, but I want to ask you before we leave the game yesterday, you think this whole Pacers, Kings, Halliburton, Sabonis, Kings fans, Pacers fans, you think it's over now that this game has been played? Um, or is this something that's going to continue for a long, long time? I think elements of it should be over. The trade itself is definitely not. Like, as, as much as I was joking last night, and I think Jason Jones tweeted it out, and I, I retweeted his, uh, his tweet. He was saying, like, if the Kings win this, they win the trade, right? It's like, absolutely. Unless they lose, then the trade's still up, for, uh, up in the air. But, like, the determining factor to me of this trade will be and has always been DeMontis Sabonis resigning. Like if, if Sabonis resigns, and more importantly, if Sabonis resigns to rejoin a team that is winning or doing well, I think D'Lo, you said earlier on the show when you're talking about this, like if DeMontis Sabonis resigns like he likely would if the Sacramento Kings make the playoffs this year, then I think regardless of what the Indiana Pacers are doing, and by the way, I think the Pacers and, and Tyrese Halliburton are going to be just fine. Um, I, I th- at that point, I think the, 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 the storylines, the narratives, at least here in Sacramento on that trade is closed. What I do think should be over is I think we should move past the um, the ridiculous idea that the Sacramento Kings got fleeced in the trade, the ridiculous idea that the Kings are foolish for giving up Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald and look what the Pacers are doing while not giving any respect or any attention and not even trying to give any attention to what the Sacramento Kings are doing. Um and at the same time, too, I think it's time to stop asking Tyrese Halliburton about it. And I, I asked Tyrese after the game, I was like, hey, now that this game has been played, like, do you just want you just want to be a pacer, let the Kings be the Kings, and not be asked about it anymore? And I thought he gave a really honest Tyrese Halliburton answer. And he said, like, I don't know what you want me to do if I'm asked about it. I'm not going to be rude. Maybe I should do a better job shutting the questions down. But I get the sense that 
maybe it also comes after a beatdown, but I, I get the sense that he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Um, and and hopefully he's stopped being asked about it. But at the same time, too, you kind of reap what you sow. And he, he talked a little bit of smack, and then when he made his return to Sacramento, he got smacked. So, um, I, I mean, I understand the narratives, and I understand trying to kind of stir up the drama. We love it here in the media. It helps us on our talk shows and things like that. But I think that element of the trade, Kenny, I think we can we can move on from. Like we don't have to talk about the emotions behind it anymore. Let's just see what both teams do, and let's see if the Sacramento Kings, who have more to lose, I think, let's see if the Kings can actually pull it out. I hope it is over, guys. I like Tyrese Halliburton. I think he's a, a great young man and a great ball player. And I, you know, like I said, it, it helps us out. We're in the, it gives us something to talk about. But I don't like the whole who got the better of it all this stuff. Man, just let, let him do great things for that team. Sabona's doing great thing, things for this team. And both of them just be be great. You know what I mean? Like and when and when they when they come back to town or they're in in, in each other's, you know, cities or whatever, hey, big ovation for Tyrese. He's back, man. You're doing great out there in Indiana. Not any kind of hostile like I joke on here. I'm not, you know, serious with no kind of uh under undertones or you know oh he said this on this podcast so you know i'm remember like man let that man live man he's, he's doing great out there he's a great young ball player well and also like jj reddick and gilbert arenas can forgive me kiss my ass like i like they the way that they act with this like jj reddick put out this tweet today like oh sacramento i see you in my mentions i'm, I'm happy for you but i ain't paying attention to you or i don't i don't care about you like these are two guys and gilbert arenas what he said with um uh, he no said on a, 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 yeah, he said on a podcast recently. It was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not caring about Sacramento. Sacramento, who, who's Sacramento? What, where is he? Like, these guys are. It's like real middle school insecure bully energy. Of it's cool to not pay attention to what the Sacramento Kings are doing. Yet you call yourself basketball commentators that are only going to speak on one side of a trade, but not pay attention to the other side, and then act like it's cool not to. Like also. Like I, I expect that. So I don't blame Tyrese Halliburton for how J.J. Redick has handled himself and how Gilbert Arenas or anybody handles themselves when talking about this trade necessarily. But Tyrese also took the interview. Tyrese also said what he said. He has to wear that. I think he has worn that. And in that case, in that sense, I think it's time for both sides to move on and just let the basketball do the talking. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And I think J.J. Redick is good. Like, Gilbert Arenas is the most insignificant human being in basketball to me. Like, I don't care what Gilbert Arenas thinks about anything. Um, but J.J., I do. Like, I like J.J. Redick. I think he's very, very good. But when you say things like, oh, I see you're in my mentions. I'm happy for you. I'm not paying attention to you. Why would I listen to anything you have to say moving forward? Right. Like, unless it's the the Lakers, which your network just spends hours upon hours, 27 hours a day talking about, or it's, you know, a Brooklyn Nets situation involving Kyrie Irving or, or, or Giannis, why would I take your comments on the Cleveland Cavaliers seriously? Right. Why, how, how, how do I know you just didn't, you know, cram a bunch of game film an hour before you're hit and started talking about them? Or are you just talking generic talking points? When you say stuff like that, you immediately discredit yourself. Mm-hmm. It is very literally your job to know professional basketball and the teams in it. You don't have to be tuned in to, look, the, the Rockets are out of it. <laughs> we know that. They're done. Troy Pistons are probably at it. You need to know a little bit about those young guys there, though. Right. But I'm not paying attention to you, Sacramento. Okay, cool, man. I'm not paying attention to you either. Right. That's the ridiculous part of it. If the Kings were 3-17, and 17, yeah, there's no need to really watch the – I can understand that. But, hell, Utah, I don't really have any interest in Utah, but when they were 12-3, and three, I was like, I got to check this out. I got to see what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Like, Because that's, that's our job. And not even really our job, but they're on a national level. They're supposed to look at everything. So if a team is playing well and one of the stories of the early season and you're still sitting up here talking about, I'm not going to watch, I mean, like you said, like, well. It's like if if the three of us were like, I'm not paying attention to the Kings. (laughs) Who the hell is paying attention to us? Right. Well, uh, but take that a step further. It's like I'm not paying attention to the Kings, but I'm going to take a storyline that the Kings were involved in, actively talk about the – Excuse me. That slipped. Sorry, Jesse. YouTube and Twitch are going to love this. I wow. caught it, but damn, Matt. Sorry, Jesse. Sorry. Deuce? Why is Go it away. us? Like, what? what is do? I... Sorry. This is literally a television personality. <laughs> Put my towel back on. Sorry. I got a little too... That was an all... I got a little too loose. There's some McQueen in here. <laughs> that was an all. That was an all time moment that was right an there. All-time I, I don't. <laughs> Fired up, Matty George. Matt's been loose. drunk on the show and hasn't done that. Oh man! But gotta love it. But point taken. Yeah. <laughs> point yes. Taken. Absolutely. Woo. Well, thanks for joining us, Matt. We, uh, yeah, it's a pleasure. I look forward to uh, not being on again. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Pacers behind us. Tyrese behind us. All of that stuff behind us. Let's look at the the entire the twenty game stretch. They're eleven and nine overall. Far more positives than negatives. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, t- like. All of the. Are you okay? All, Do you need a minute? I'm scared. I'm scared of everything now. I'm scared to hear myself speak. I'm scared to breathe. Like I'm making sure I'm going to speak like you're my my son. This has been a really um, traumatic day for D'Lo and Casey. Guess like Olivia is the only one who just made it through with no problems. 
I'm sweating it's, profusely it's, now. Buddy, it uh, happens. It's 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 very it's a very regular occurrence here on this show. It's all right. I'm like Miles Turner at the free throw line last it's, night. I don't want to give nobody no more cookies. Um No, uh absolutely it, it's it's way more positives than negatives. Like to say if if I had gone back to the start of the season when we were analyzing the schedule and people were saying, Man, I see three and seven is a real possibility. Then the Kings go oh and four, and you're like, Oh Lord, here we go. Like to say they're eleven and nine through twenty games, take all context out of it. If we're saying that, there's a party happening in Sacramento, mm-hmm. and and rightfully so, there is. It just happens that now we added a beam to it, which makes it even more cool. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I absolutely, there's way more positives than negatives. And and Kenny, you were talking about the three point shooting earlier, and I absolutely love what you said because yeah, we expect the defense to be. A struggle like we expect that to be a problem and yeah they need to get better defensively and hopefully they will still get better defensively to where like if this team defensively can just get middle of the pack they're a playoff team Mm -hmm. and i'm not just talking about a playing team they're a top six seed if this team is a middle of the pack uh team defensively now that's a big ask to go from bottom of the league to middle of the league that's a lot of spaces to jump up even with the offense as good as it is but like if if the Kings are struggling offensively, if they're going away from their identity, which I agree with you is the three point shooting and things like that, uh, then that's that's where the concern is. And when you look at how this team is gelling, you look at what Malik Monk is doing, you look at what Shemezi Metu is doing, you look at the fact that the Kings won again and they got nearly sixty points from their bench again mm. last night. Mm. De'Aaron Fox played really, really well to start the season, and the Kings kind of struggled. De'Aaron Fox is just playing okay to good now, and the Kings are fine they're able to weather that storm like and everybody's buying in like what's there to be upset about honestly yeah let's talk about that bench a little bit i mean Mm. what they i I thought i don't want to say they turned the game um but between monk and td offensively and what davion and kz were able to do on the defensive end i thought they injected a little bit of energy into into the gameplay of the Sacramento Kings, along with yes. Harrison Barnes and DeMontis. They did great while they were out there. But, man, it, it really seemed to swing when those four guys were out there on the court. I mean, these guys, the sensationals, <laughs> these guys are they, – they are changing games with their play, and they're a wild card factor. TD, when he's on, if, if he's clicking – the Kings are even that much harder to play against. Malik Monk, he's doing it every single night at this point. What do you see from this bench, man? And and do you think we ask this question all the time with this this Kings team? Do you think it's sustainable for these guys off the bench to produce at the level that they are? I think it absolutely is because I don't think any of them are playing out of their mind. Like they're playing within themselves. They're just being themselves. Like uh, Kenny, you could probably speak to this better than I can because you're you're a former Hooper. Like I can't imagine being. A, a defender, right? And facing De'Aaron Fox and the best Kings lineup or the Kings starting lineup that features the majority of their best players, dealing with the physicality of DeMontis Sabonis, dealing with all this for six, seven, eight minutes to open up a game. And then the bench comes in and they're more aggressive mm-hmm. and more physical and more athletic. It's like, can I take, where do I take a break? Right, right, like, where do I right. stop? Like it, it just keeps going. It's relentless. And then you have to rely on your bench to come in and try and match that energy. And the reality is there aren't too many people, there aren't too many benches in the NBA that can come in and match what Tyrese, or excuse me, what um, Malik Monk and Chemezi Metu and Terrence Davis and Davion Mitchell are doing. Mm-hmm. 
Like, and I'm not saying that means those four guys could be starters on other teams. That's not the point. It's not how good they are. It's how they play. Yeah. That being said, they're also playing really good. And, and I mean, Malik Monk is really, really good. And again, this is not like he had 30 points the other night and I didn't feel like he was playing out of his mind. He was mm-hmm. just really, really good. And again, this is not like he had 30 points the other night and I didn't feel like he was playing out of his mind. He was mm-hmm. just playing solid he was playing aggressive he was attacking the basket he was showing off a layup package that honestly we haven't seen by a sacramento king since tyreek evans Mm. like he was showing an ability to finish around the rim which i think you guys know this from watching film of him in in kentucky like that was his game in kentucky he's been labeled a three-point shooter in the nba but attacking the rim he attacked the rim just as much if not at times more than De'Aaron fox did when they were together at kentucky so he's capable of showing this off and i thought brendan nunez nunez asked a fantastic question after the Suns game Malik was at the podium and he said like you're sure I mean he had eight assists or something that night he said hey you're like you're showing this passing ability is are you surprising yourself with this or are you just now getting the opportunity to show this and Malik was like no I've I've this has always been a part of my game I just have the chance to do it now and I'd like to thank Mike Brown for giving me that opportunity like that speaks volumes to me and he's showing that by the way he plays and his energy is being matched like I remember how much how big of a talking point it was on Locked on Kings about when the Kings drafted Davion Mitchell, oh, Davion brings that defensive energy. Oh, the Kings are going to have to match what Davion's doing defensively. Mm-hmm. Well, now you have Malik Monk who plays with this energy off the bench. Davion matches that with his defensive energy. Chemezi Metu matches that with his aggressiveness on the glass and always wanting to catch a body. And then Terrence Davis last night, whether he's hitting threes, picking up technical fouls, or <laughs> people forget, like Terrence Davis tried to murder a man going for a tomahawk dunk on the baseline that had he done that, I don't think Golden One Center would have survived. Like we <laughs> all were ready. There were half the people out of their seats in the media section expecting him to pull that off. Yeah. So like that, the the energy that that bench brings, if I'm an opponent trying to handle that, as much as I game plan for them and look at like a, a, a scouting report, when I'm actually facing that energy after having to guard De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, Harrison Barnes, and the rest of that starting lineup, Kevin Herter, like I'm exhausted. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine having to deal with that for 48 minutes. And, and the real quick, Dame, that's a great point that you bring up because um, a lot of the times when I watch these other teams, the, the Blazers or the Suns the other night, uh, you know, the Warriors. Remember when we were at the Warriors game and I said, all right, Steph is out. This is when you got to yeah. cut into the lead and get it yes. down. Yeah. With the Kings, like what you going to do? All right, Fox is out. This one, No, this might not be when you cut into the lead because Malik Monk might, might go off or Terrence Davis might go off. And like you talked about, Matt, that constant pressure mentally on the other team of like not getting any rest, that's, that's something that I think the Kings are starting to figure out and use to their benefit. And Devin Booker's playing out of his mind right now, but look what it took. Like, Phoenix is a really, really good basketball team. Sacramento had their fair share share of chances to win that game in Sacramento. But Devin Booker played all but seven minutes. Like, that's what they needed. And he dropped 44. Now they got other, like, was it Damian Lee that that came alive from three-point range at the end? And good for him. Like, you forced another guy to beat you, and the Suns are a good team. They were able to do it. But Devin Booker had to play 41 minutes of that game because... There's no rest. There's no break from the Kings standpoint mm-hmm. like that. That's a sign of a good team that I think is only going to get better. Like to me, the bench is playing really, really well. Now, now they could probably improve a little bit, but the starters can get significantly better, whether it's De'Aaron playing more like himself, Keegan Murray, figuring things out. We've seen mm-hmm. Harrison Barnes, what he's capable of doing when he's on like it's easy to see how good this team is now and how they can improve 
even if I still think it's going to take a while to get that improvement. And Trey Lyles has been out the last couple of games. And you you talk about uh, uh, Davion and the energy that he brings, man. But it was – and I don't know why this was the case last night. Obviously, we've we've seen it all season. But for me – and maybe it was just the flow of the game or the way that I was watching it. It was glaring to me that Casey Akpala needs to be on the floor for the Sacramento mm-hmm. Kings. He was so good defensively. And, you know, Deuce and Mo brought this point up earlier, like 100% for sure. But how? Like, how, how, how do you get him out there? Because Trey Lyles has had moments where, you know, Trey Lyles has played really well in what's been asked him. Obviously, we see Tremezi Metu in the way that it's, it's hard to find a place for him. But, man, when he's out there, what he does on the defensive end really, really stands out. I think it's an extremely difficult position for Mike Brown to be in, in the sense that, like, I look at, at, at Casey Paul at times as almost like an ace up your sleeve. Like, okay, you're, you're really, you have a player that's rolling. You have a player that's playing very well. Boom, KZ, go and make him work. Like, in almost the same way if it's a guard, Davion, go and make him work. Like it's a valuable card to have, except you're also dealing with a a human being who wants to play more. And it's hard to sell them on the idea that you're going to sit on the bench a majority of the time. But when I need you, you're my specialist, but I don't need you enough for you to play consistently. Mm. Like that's, I I don't even know how you manage that position and credit to Casey Akpala for still having the work rate that he's had to stay ready. And I thought I thought the Boston Celtics game even though that game was the first and really only blowout loss the Kings have had, like that was the game that Casey Ocpala reminded everybody, no, like I was starting because of my defense mm. and this is why. Like this is what I can do. Uh so I agree with you, Casey Ocpala deserves playing time. I don't know how I don't know what a consistent rotation spot looks like for him because of the uh amount of already good rotation players on this roster, which you can say is a good problem to have. And it is It's a bit of a cliche to say that I think the real problem is keeping a player like that. Who is so valuable, who does all the hard, dirty, gritty energy work to keep giving that effort while not rewarding them with a consistent spot like that. That sounds like a nightmare to deal with as a coach, but if anyone can handle it, it's Mike Brown. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's handled a lot so far, man. He's done a, a great coaching job with this group so far. And he's done it in socks while, <laughs> he's uh, done it in socks. <laughs> while uh, campaigning for Malik Monk as uh, a potential six man of the year candidate. It's obviously, tw- I mean, 20 games isn't that young into the season, but you, you know, we're going to start looking at all-star stuff. We were talking about Tyrese Halliburton you know, being an all-star, I think more so for the Kings than Tyrese, it's going to depend on, you know, kind of where the Kings are when coaches start to vote. Um, I think Sabonis has a real chance of being an all-star. I mean, obviously Fox does as well. Uh, he'll, he'll he, you know, you don't want too many more lulls in his game. Uh, he's he's going to have to be strong, but I, I think Sabonis has been incredible. And I, I just keep phrasing him as like the center of the Kings universe. On the offensive end, like Devonta Sabonis is the center of their universe. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I I want Sabonis to be more aggressive. Like, and and it's weird because I thought he kind of tried to set the tone. And I think Deuce and Mo were talking about this last night on on night chat. Like, very early in this game, Devonta Sabonis went coast to coast and went right at Miles Turner uh, and 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 scored, and and that helped kind of set the tone for the Kings a little bit. He also had like a, a spin move kick out to a corner three that was missed. Yeah. It was like okay, that would have been a real 
kind of fire starter for Sacramento. But like he he went eight of ten in the loss uh, to the Phoenix Suns, eighty percent. That's phenomenal. But on a night where De'Aaron Fox is struggling, like shoot more. And I, I don't remember what his his line was last night, but he still shot an extremely efficient. He was like six of eight or something. I don't. Sabonis I don't, I don't five of nine. Five of nine. Yeah, like Demonte Sabonis, I know, is such a willing passer. He's such a team player, and he is the foundation, literally the foundation of Mike Brown's offense right now. But Demonte Sabonis deserves more than ten shots a game, right? Like, get Demonte Sabonis to fifteen. Like, and and I know the NBA is going away from on the block post up opportunities, and and you use him more in like the high post and the pick and roll and the handoffs and things like that, and all the, the movement action that the Kings run. Give my man a couple of mismatches off of switches and let him work on the block a couple of times a game because he can give you four to six points a night just in two to three possessions on the block. And if a double team comes, all the better because you have so many shooters around him that can take advantage of that. So I would like to see DeMontis maybe trying to call his own number a little bit more. Mm. That being said, if he's not bothered by it, I guess I shouldn't be. That pass on the break to Keegan was sick. Oh, man. A little Euro, bring it back over, dump it back through. That was nasty. DeMontis Sabonis brings the ball up a lot. Mm. A lot. And I like it. And mm. and he doesn't just, like, dribble it up. He pushes. Yeah. And the Kings trust him to push it. Like, that's that's really unique because I know Jason Jones used to always call it Tragic Bronson. The Sacramento mm. Kings used to have plenty of bigs in the past that would try <laughs> and do that. I know Willie Colley... Willie Cauley-Stein wanted to do that, and it always went horribly to where you could hear everybody in the crowd yelling, give the ball to your point guard. (laughs) Sabonis can do it, and it's great when he does it. You worried about your your rookie? Uh, No, I'm more worried about dropping another F-bomb on the Uh, air. No, (laughs) I think Keegan's fine. Like To me, where I would be concerned is if Keegan was in a funk like he's in, and he was forcing his way out of it. Like, I don't see Keegan Murray playing that much different to how he played to start the season, except the shot's not falling. Now, he has had a couple of, of decisions. He had a couple of decisions in the in the Suns game that I didn't like. One was he was attacking the rim, and DeAndre Ayton met him at the rim, to be yeah. fair. And we know DeAndre Ayton's a, a pillar. And instead of trying to go strong and go through the contact to draw a foul, he tried to, like, avoid it and go around it, and DeAndre Ayton smacked it. Yeah. Like, just said, get out of here. And and I think Mike Brown has talked about like he wants Keegan Murray to attack and be more aggressive, go through somebody. Keegan's big enough, Keegan's strong enough. Like he doesn't have to shy away from contact all the time. So and then he he kind of settled for a couple mid range jumpers at times. And I'm like, you don't need to do that. Like you're 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 more skilled than settling for stuff like that. So there are a couple of decisions where I think maybe sometimes the Kings and the way that they're playing has some somewhat left him in the dust a little bit. Like he needs to catch up. And to be honest with you this Kings team doesn't have time to wait for them. Like they don't, they have to win and it's either keep up or, or, or sit down. But I agree with something that Kenny said earlier, like he's starting now. And unless he's playing horrible, which he's not, you you can't take him out of the starting lineup only to put him back in five games from now when he figures it out. I think this road trip is going to be big for him because he's figured things out at home on the road though. The Kings are going to need him at some point during this six game Eastern conference road trip. You best believe they are going to need Keegan Murray. And I think he's hopefully ready for that. He's a professional broadcaster, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Not today. (laughs) ABC 10. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.